You're listening to Coldo D. Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Our services are every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit our website at coldod.org. Bavinu Malkinu, our Father, our King, we are honored every week to go through that great holy scripture that was penned uh, by Moshe, Moses. May you continue to speak to us through that wisdom and those promises, and may you use me and something I may or may not want to share here today. In the Lord's name, amen. You guys got to understand, first of all, it has been a long time uh, since I have spoken. Um, I meant it when I said I reluctantly accepted the role as an elder, not because I didn't want to serve, uh, just because it had been so long, and it's Um, You know, if you've been through a couple of times where you've served the Lord in some very difficult seasons, you know what you're getting into. Um, And so I have been preaching for a long time with Jews for Jesus. Then I said, Lord, I'm done. Um, I'm good. And then uh, after serving at Woodmont for a while, literally Lyndon Allen at that time basically said, I'm out of town. I have got no one on the docket. It's you whether you like it or not. Uh, <laughs> and my wife has kind of pushed my buttons here as well. Uh, and so thank you, Ken, for this privilege. I am going to be quick, but I can't start. I am honored, actually, the fact that I'm asked to speak on the closing parsha of the book of Genesis. You need to understand that when it comes to the five books of Moses, um, each one is its own chapter of a narrative that has been handcrafted by Moses. And so there are some very specific things that Moses wanted us to get that have to do with the entire book of Genesis. It's like any film, you're going to want to close either if it's, you know, a three-part film or the end of a film, you're going to want to make sure that the very end that your audience really gets what you want to know. And so that's what we have here. First of all, I want to say, when it comes to the book of Genesis, I'm going to be really quick. I, sorry, Ken, I can't start without giving some context. Uh, when it comes to the narrative of Genesis, there are really four main intentions or purposes that Moses really wanted to get across. And they, most of them should be obvious. But one is that the events of the past are intended to point to events towards the future. That is why every time you read one of the narratives or stories or events that happen in Moses, I mean, in Genesis, you're always like, oh, this points to something else. It's on purpose. Secondly, the author is concerned, this Moses, with three main things. God, mankind, and the land. And those themes come up over and over and over again. And that, thirdly, God is the creator of the universe. This is very important because you'll notice even in this text, even in the blessings, it says nations, plural, not nation. He wanted the people of Israel to understand and all those who came to believe in him. Yes, he has a particular love that, for the people of Israel to bless the nations. And so it's beyond just the individual group. And lastly, most importantly, that's obvious, that the book, the totality of the Torah, but specifically the book of Genesis, lays the groundwork of God's plan to restore blessing back to the human race. Um, And it's not based on the, it's based on the strength of God's promises and not on 
human obedience. Um, so that's the backdrop. Now, Genesis 47 through end of 50, Vayacha or Vayachi concludes, I'm just going to go through it really quickly. It concludes the Joseph narrative. Uh, it brings us to the death of the final uh, patriarch as well, Jacob or Israel. It concludes uh, the first chapter of the five-part series, as I said. And the order of the narratives of 47 through 50 is really simple. Um, it starts with Joseph's promise to jo Joseph promises his dad Jacob that he will bury him not in Egypt, but he will schlep him all the way back to the land. He makes him repeat it twice. Secondly, it then moves to Jacob blessing his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and in narrative fashion of the book of Moses and God's plans, that Jacob blesses not the firstborn or gives the primary blessing um, not to the firstborn, but to Ephraim instead of Manasseh, which is completely upends the cultural understanding at the time. You bless the firstborn first. You give him the primary blessing. And for the second time in the book of Genesis, we're seeing, nope, it's not the firstborn. It's not, it's God's choice, not what is man's right. Then Jacob, then after he blesses Joseph's two sons individually, he blesses all his sons, and um, he saves his primary blessing, or his greatest blessing for who? Judah. Again, not the firstborn. Why did Judah get the right of the kingship? I mean, this has been a tension throughout the entire book, or the entire lives of the patriarchs. You know, all the women are fighting about which one of their sons is going to get the greatest blessing, which one's going to stand on top. And yet, if you, in the narrative, you would have thought, oh, it's going to be one of Joseph's sons, but then upends it, and it's actually Judah. Now, I'm sure I haven't read much about what the rabbis say. I'm sure the rabbis conclude as to why it was Judah. I'm sure there's some midrash in some way, but the text really doesn't tell us why Judah. God's choice. And then we have, what's interesting, the death of Jacob, his burial, his lamentation, and it is met with incredible pomp and circumstance. I mean, not only does he get permission from Pharaoh, uh, Joseph does, to, you know, go all the way to Egypt, leave his uh, position. Remember, Joseph held one of the most prominent positions in the entire Egyptian empire, and he's just given permission to go, you know, all the way to the, his, you know, father's land and bury him. You know, it's not like today's. If I said to my boss, hey, I'm the CEO, I got to be gone, I got to, you know, bury my father. A couple days, this is a long journey without your right-hand man. And not only does Pharaoh give him permission, the text goes into a long bit about he sent some, of, he sent pretty much almost, you know, all of the government officials Every, you know, everyone who had any prominence in Egypt was, the text tells us, was there on the journey. That is how much honor that was given to Joseph. Uh, but it also tells us that Moses really wanted to hammer out the point of what it was like, again, um, for God to bring us back to the land. You don't want to miss that. 
That's a very important point. And then finally, it concludes with the conclusion of the Joseph narrative. Um, and then again, how does the book of Genesis end? Anyone remember? I'm going to read. This is the only part I'm going to read. Verse 24. Again, Jacob has died. Joseph is the second or third man in charge of Egypt, however you want to look at it. Joseph's brothers, again, he sent them to slavery, you know, away, are panicking because now he can take his revenge. Joseph assures him that that's not going to be the case. We have that famous line in verse 19 of chapter 50, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. We're good. Don't worry about it. But that's not how the text ends. That's not how the book ends. Verse 24, then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take notice of you and will bring you up from this land to the land he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph made Israel's sons swear on an oath, saying, when God takes notice of you, um, notice of you, you will bring my bones up from here. So Joseph died at 110, and then he, they involved him, and he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. The last paragraph of the book of Genesis is two things. Joseph reminding his brothers, God is going to favor us and is going to restore our people back to the land, and do not forget about my bones. <laughs> Unfortunately, this week, we had a tragic death or last week in my family. It was my beloved dog, Roger. I know, very sad. We used to call him, uh, and I miss him dearly, we used to call him dust, our little dust buster. We, should, we, we joked that we should have called him Buster because he just would roam around the house and pick up all the crumbs, and especially with my beloved Benjamin, who I described earlier. There's a lot of them. And this week, we have really noticed, like I've noticed, why are there so many crumbs? Well, our Buster or Roger's no longer there. Now, oftentimes when, you know, I notice something, I would be like, Roger, Roger, and I would point. What would Roger focus on? My finger. It would take me three or four times to be like, Roger, look. And finally, it wasn't because he was paying my attention to my finger. He finally got the, my voice and what I was doing. We oftentimes can be like Roger when it comes to God's pointing towards something where we focus on the finger and not ultimately what it's pointing to. And that is what, part of what it comes to the land. We, God wants us to, you know, embrace the fact that he is calling our people back to land. It's a promise, again, that's established in the book of Moses. But we also know that it's pointing to something greater. God's promise of the land is his promise of the ultimate restoration to bring us back to Eden. And so, what Moses is trying to do here in the conclusion of, I mean, four times here, we are told, we're going back, bring my bones back. He didn't have to tell us. That whole narrative of Jacob going back to the land, all the government officials going with him, the concluding words of Jacob is Moses reminding us, remember, he, this was not written for people at that time exclusively. Moses knew that it would be generations upon generations who would be reading this, generations that would be exiled. 
like us. But the ultimate pointing of the land is the promise of the new heavens and the new earth, the restoration of all things. So let us, as we meditate this week on that parsha, be reminded that just like our forefathers, they, they were screwed up. Their righteousness, as far as their deeds, you know, is a long laundry list of garbage. But what Moses wants to remind us here is that they ultimately trusted in God's promise. Even at his deathbed, he's putting his trust in that promise that God is going to bring us back to the land. And that promise is ultimately about the full restoration of mankind in the new heavens and the new earth. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that word. Praise the Lord. I'm going to just share briefly uh, and contradict everything that Sean just shared. No, not, not really at all. <laughs> of course not. I'm going to build actually a little on something. Uh, he just, one of the points he made. I'm, I'm, not going to, I'm going to cut a lot of what I was going to share today. But <clears throat> um, <laughs> thank you, Lord, for the, this. is amazing. Wow. Um, I'm going, to, I'm going to actually just focus on that portion where he spoke about the blessing on uh, the, uh, the crisscrossed hands, on blessing on Manasseh. And I love what Sean said. He said, God's choice. Wow. I'm quoting the scholar Sean Buckholter. God's choice, not man's right. <laughs> that was amazing. God upends, upends. I love that. God upends our ideas. Um, and um, so... Lord, we pray, continue to teach us, Lord, to, to expand our hearts and minds from your word, uh, as you just have, and continue to, in Yeshua's name, amen. And um, so, wow. Um, and again, um, yeah, I'm just looking through this, what I prepared, I'm going to cut most everything here. <laughs> this is great. Uh, no, don't be sorry at all. That was, I, we are, I love, I, I seriously, I love, I've taken lots of notes. This is, I mean, I love hearing a good speaker, and um, this was, it was just great. So we really enjoyed it. Um, and, and we're and going to looking forward to a lot more. But um, when Joseph, look, look at chapter 48, if you want to just turn there, it's actually verses 13 through 20, just that portion because I had two portions I was going to share that one and then the latter portion, and I think I'll, I will totally skip the last portion um, that was just mentioned. But I will just mention a little on this one. Um, so he brings his sons Ephraim and Manasseh to Jacob to bless them. And let's, let's just read it there, verse 13 through 20. Joseph took the two of them, Ephraim at his, with his right hand across from Israel's left and Manasseh with his left hand across from Israel's right, Israel being Jacob, Jacob's right, and he brought them close to him. But Israel stretched out, or Jacob stretched out his right hand and placed it upon Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head. And this is, notice this, it translates here, TLV, crossing his hands. I don't know what your translation might have, but crossing his hands. The word is sechel. Let's say sechel. All right? And I want you to think about his ways are sechel. Sechel. I'll define it in a minute. Uh, Though Manasseh was the firstborn, 
And then he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has shepherded me throughout my life to this day, thank you, Lord, for doing that. Wow, what a, what a phrase. The God who has shepherded me throughout my life to this day. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? He shepherds us throughout our lives. But to be able to say that at the end of your life, isn't that amazing to be able to say, Lord, you've shepherded, he has shepherded my life throughout my life to this day. He's been faithful. <clears throat> the angel who redeemed me from all evil, protected me from all evil, may he bless the boys and may they be called by my name and by the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. May they multiply to a multi multitude in the midst of the land. And that's the end of the blessing. When Joseph saw that his father placed his right hand upon Ephraim's head, it was wrong in his eyes. The word is ra. It was evil in his eyes. This is terrible. This is evil in his eyes. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. He tries to switch it. Joseph said to his father, not like that, father. Uh, it's like literally lo ken, no yes. Not so, father, my father, avi. Not so, my father. No, no yes, my father. Because this one's, the, this one's the firstborn. Put your right hand upon his head. But the father, his father refused and said, I know, yadati, my son, bani, yadati, I know, my son, or I have known, my son, I have known. He also will become a people, and he also will become great, but his younger brother will become greater, and he, then he and his seed will be the fullness of the, uh, will become greater than he, and his seed will become the fullness of the nations. Then he blessed them that day, saying, in you shall, and this is the blessing said over the sons sons on, on the, you know, Shabbat dinner. In you shall Israel bless, Israel bless by saying, may God make you like Ephraim and like Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Uh, yeah, stop there. So, um, so the word sechel, translated here crossing, it literally means with understanding or intelligently. It means in the Hebrew sechel, uh, to absorb information, absorbing information and adapting to needs. So it's intelligence, practical common sense. You say someone has sechel today, it's like common sense. He's got sechel, he's clever, he's got common sense. All right, so does God know what he's doing or doesn't he, right? Uh, we think he's making a mistake oftentimes in our lives. That's the principle here. And this is what Joseph does. He thinks that his father's making a mistake. And we sometimes think God is making a mistake, like he's blessing the wrong one, uh, in the reverse of the birth order. But, uh, and Jacob was, remember, old, and he's, he's, his dim vision, maybe he thinks that's what's affecting him. Um, and we think, perhaps, God, you're misguided. You don't know what you're doing in our life right now, in my life. You really don't know what's going on. Uh, there's something you're missing. Is he? Is God missing something? Is there something? Is God short-sighted? Well, we know the answer to that, but we sometimes think he is, right? We think we, we get, we, we, and we want to interfere. We want to stop. We say, not so, not like that, my father. Lo ken avi, lo ken avi. Not that Joseph was correcting his father disrespectively, but rather he thought his father misunderstood where the boys were positioned 
The firstborn was placed on his father's right, not Joseph's right. So we think we know better than God sometimes. And, um, and this could translate. I love lo ken, you know. In Hebrew, modern Hebrew, what's, what's the word for no? Lo. What's the word for yes? Ken. Yeah, when I go to Israel, I'm not Ken. I'm not Ken. <laughs> I really, really, I can't go. I use Hanan as my Hebrew name, Hanan. So I, if I, I but if, when I first get to Israel, really, for the first, you know, first few days, I'm here, Ken, 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 I keep turning. <laughs> when I hear Ken, Ken, no, they're just saying yes, yes, yes. So it literally could translate, no, yes. Sort of like, I don't understand. In a way, we could say, I don't understand, God, what you're doing right now. I don't understand. And we don't understand sometimes what God is doing. But he knows what he's doing. He has sechel. He has understanding. He has wisdom, of course. He has intelligence. He knows the end from the beginning. But we have mixed responses, conflicting feelings regarding what's happening or what God is doing. And we sometimes think our leaders are making mistakes. And or making a big mistake. And sometimes, maybe they are, but God is going to override it, even if someone is. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. It says the Lord, the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. And again, uh, this is, you know, innovation, risk, creativity, change, We can't be locked, we must not be locked into tradition for tradition's sake. Or say, you know, this is the way we've always done it, so it's got to be right. Because this is the way it's always been done. Well, not so, not so, not so. Uh, Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord, Isaiah 40, verses 13 and 14, or instruct him as his counselor? With whom did he consult? And who instructed him? Who taught him the path of justice or taught him knowledge? Who informed him about the way of understanding? He says, put your, Joseph says, put your right hand on his head. And this is the first instance in the Torah of the laying on of hands, the vehicle for imparting God's blessing, the smicha, ordination, comes through the laying on of hands in the Bible. There's, but I won't get into all that. The pre, is it, this is interesting. I've mentioned this uh, before. But, you know, ordination, consecration, blessing. Um, the priestly benediction, the Birkat Kohanim, has the same idea that it's impossible for the Kohen, the priest, to actually lay his hands upon each Israelite, so he raises his hands high in order to impart the blessing below from the source of all blessing above. In the New Covenant, uh, anyway, the, the, the Shamashim, the deacons, had their hands laid on them by the apostles in Acts 6. Paul mentions three times in his letter to Timothy the, the, the gifts of the laying on of hands. So, but the principle here, God f- often frustrates my plans, your plans, our plans, because his are better. That's the principle. It's the right one. Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord, that's what's going to stand, right? Proverbs 19.21. And... Joseph, Jacob, Jacob rather, Jacob, God calling him Israel, Israel here rather than Yaakov, he says, Yadati b'ni Yadati, I know my son, I know. Again, would really translate, it's the perfect tense in Hebrew, I, I have known my son, I have known. And there's one rabbi, interestingly enough, that 
says, I have translated, it says, I have always known and I am fully aware. And that's the way it is. God has always known. He's fully aware. He's got it. He knows, again, Isaiah 46.10 says he declares the end from the beginning. Joshua would be Ephraim's, Ephraim's descendant, and he would lead Israel into the promised land. Also, the prophet Samuel would come from uh, Ephraim, by the way, Ephraim. And uh, this is the blessing that would, so the blessing would be bestowed. It says in Ephesians 1.11, in him we also were chosen, predestined according to his plan. He keeps working out all things according to the purpose of his will so that we might be for his glorious praise. David, you won't build me a house. Your son Solomon will. And I'll build you a house, 2 Samuel 7. A conquering king parading on a stallion sounds really good, we would say, but the Lord says, no, a lowly servant hobbling along on a mule. This is your Messiah, Zechariah 9.9. Jerusalem, the, the, the white horse will come later, of course. Uh, Jerusalem, that has to be the place, we would say. Uh, that's where the Messiah's got to be born. That's what I would think. He's got to be born in Jerusalem, right? And the Lord says, nope, not, not so. Little Bethlehem, little old Bethlehem, Micah 5, 1 and 2. Yeshua's decisions and actions were constantly frustrating those around him, even those closest to him. Notice that as we read the Gospels, what he did, how he acted, often frustrating everybody around him. And if they walked in the flesh, they were frustrated. But if someone walked, as we would say, in the spirit, but if they were living by sight rather than by faith, if they were governed by the, what we would call the flesh rather than the spirit, they were frustrated by what Yeshua did. It was because what he did was so often unorthodox, just like what Jacob did in, with his sons here. And so Yeshua says in Matthew eleven six, blessed is the one who doesn't stumble because of me. But a lot of people did. Paul sees a vision. I think this, this is interesting. In Acts chapter 16, he sees a vision um, of a man from Macedonia standing and pleading, you know, come to us, come to us, remember? And he goes, and on the ship, and, he and, and in Acts 16, you read in verse 12, he comes to Philippi of Macedonia. He comes there, and he stays for several days. Where's the man? Read the story in Acts 16. Where's the man that he saw in the vision? I'm sure Paul thought, where's this man? Never, you know who, who, he's, who he meets? Lydia, a woman named Lydia, she shows up, and she's the one that Paul ministers and ends up being all where all the ministry occurs, all through Lydia. Not who Paul anticipated. It didn't look as it was supposed to in Paul's mind and from the vision. So God's ways are perfect, but often not like we have envisioned them to be. They are sechel, sechel. Let's say sechel. Sechel, all right? Let's learn, at least learn that word. Sechel. In other words, God's ways are full of understanding because he is omniscient. He knows all things, and he's absolutely intelligent. And he, so he adapts his plan to our real need, to what our real need is. And his sense is the best. We feel like screaming, and maybe we do scream. 
Lo ken avi, not so, Father. No, no, it's wrong. What you're doing is wrong. You've got to switch this. I don't understand this. But his ways are perfect. His ways are right. He knows what he's doing. So relax, relax, you know. We were with Reuben and Lauren last night. Reuben's so relaxed. He's always relaxed. <laughs> so I need, I need his calms. <laughs> relaxed. <laughs> oh, man. God's ways are sechel. God's ways are really sechel. And, um, and you know, it's amazing. And I, I won't read the end of the story that uh, Sean did such a great synopsis of, the, of that whole section, you know. But that end where, he, as I said, God, what you meant evil against me, God planned it for good, you know. God had, had the whole thing planned all along. And, you know, but uh, because Joseph's brother actually sold him into slavery and all the evil they did, that worked actually so that the Jewish people were saved from worldwide famine. It's amazing. I mean, God has, this, has it planned. You know, what they meant for ra'ah, evil, God means works it for latov, for good, because God is so much bigger than people. And... Um, Praise the Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for your ways being sechel, sechel. That, um, and as Sean shared, Lord, your choice is not our, not our right. It's your choice. It's all by your grace, your purpose, and your wisdom. And you upend our ideas, as he said, Lord. You upend. And we love that. Thank you, Lord. We love your, love your ways. We don't understand them. We get upset at them at the time, and they're painful, but they're beautiful, ultimately, and we thank you. We give you the praise because we are called for your, for your, to, for your for, we are to the praise of your glory, Lord, not ours. We are for your purpose, not ours. Uh, we are for your glorious praise, Ephesians 1 says, for your glorious praise. We're peripheral, you're central, you're eternal. And we thank you, Lord, that it's all, all about your purposes being used for you, for others. We thank you and bless you. And um, if, you're, if you've never trusted Yeshua today, you're watching, you've never trusted Yeshua in your life and invited him in your life, given yourself to, to God, do it now. Just call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says you need to be born again. We need a new life. We have a new start. What an amazing thing it is. There's nothing like being born a second time at new birth. So it's, and having our sins washed away and having a new start in life, you can have it right now. Just say, Yeshua, come into my life. God, I turn myself over to you. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Thank you, God, for your purpose. It's just greater than mine. Thank you. You know better than I. You know better than I. I trust you today. And if you're praying and receiving Yeshua, we want to help you. Please contact us any way you can. Contact us. And um, hopefully there'll be someone. I know there'll be someone up here to pray with you. If you're here this morning physically and want someone to pray with you afterwards, they'll pray and seal that with you. We love you, Lord, and thank you. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Be'asem lecha shalom B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach Sar shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you 
The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen.